From Vistio, this is recorded for Quality Assurance. A show where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and transforming customer support into a streamlined strategic advantage for your business. Go ahead and welcome everyone to CXQA Live, where we discuss the role the agent plays in creating successful CX contact center operations. We do record this time for quality assurance. And of course, what we mean by that is that we make a podcast out of our time every week that we call recorded for quality assurance. Everybody needs a little cheese on a Tuesday, right? So this week on the show, we're discussing the topic of why EX or employee experience is the new CX or customer experience. And our special guest is Fred Stacy. Welcome, Fred. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, we're absolutely glad to have you here. Now, on CXQA Live every week, we talk about how we believe agents are the single most important asset in CX operations. And agents with the right training, tools, and connection with your company are going to be a revenue growth and protection center for your business and brand. They're going to be the best diagnostic tool that you have for your business. They're going to ensure that your customers are satisfied and connected. They're going to produce more and better work, and they're going to want to stay and contribute to the long-term success of your company. And we call this the agent-centric call center philosophy. These are our kind of core ideas that we believe specifically surrounding the role of the agent in contact center operations. And that leads us to our topic for today. Fred, tell us why employee experience is the new customer experience. Yeah. So every time I say that, a lot of people automatically assume and and jump to the positive piece of it, right? Um, But I've been in this industry for a long time and I I appreciate your stuff because I actually started as an agent. Um, A lot of people know that. uh, You know, so, you know, first of all, employee experience, in my opinion, is at the early stage, much like CX was 10 years ago. What that means is that, you know, we all recognize that there's a lot of lip service out there right now, you know, but companies aren't investing as aggressively as we would like to see, right? And I'm not just talking about technology, like you said, training, you know, engagement, employee engagement down to the agent, listening to your best resource who constantly is talking to your customer. So when I say EX is the new CX, it has all the positive connotations, right? But it also has some of the downfalls of the early stage of CX, in my opinion. Maybe you could list out a few of those downsides for us, Fred. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I mean, early stage adoption, right? Companies, you know, they invest in things that they see that are going to quickly turn an ROI. Um, but this has been a challenge with the contact center industry when it comes to agents anyways, is I don't think a lot of leadership has ever seen the agents as the most critical piece uh, in the customer experience. And not just the agents, in my opinion, it's it's also the supervisors, the, the floor level leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, before I got into the technology side, you know, I started as an agent, I grew into leadership and I, I ran centers and helped companies start new ones and, and recovered some failing ones. You know, in a, in a recovery, the first place you always invest in, in, in my experience, was the mid-level, the floor-level leadership, um, you know, in building them and teaching them how to build, you know, up their agents, how to engage, how to teach, how to motivate and mentor, you know, but to go back to your point, 
Um, so one thing is the the negatives are companies aren't quite yet fully investing, you know, in, in employee engagement. We've had gamification around for like 10 years and the adoption rates are still in well below 50%. I don't remember. I think the last report I saw is something like 20% in gamification. And and gamification, okay, you know, the the ROI, I've seen all kinds of numbers all over the place, but they're not huge. Uh, but then you look at things like new training technologies, you know, for the onboarding, you know, for the, uh, um, you know, the nesting stages and getting an agent out to the floor effectively. There's a lot of great new tech out there. People aren't buying that yet. The investment in training programs, you know, and if you talk to agents or, or leadership, even in the contact centers and find out and ask about their investment and, you know, mentoring and, and uh, you know, career path, guidance and, you know, all the things of investing in employee engagement and the employee experience. And a lot of companies just don't do it. You know, I, maybe it's 20 years in the software side of this business, but I always watch the investments and where companies move in their technology stack. Not that that's the whole thing, but that tells me a lot about where companies are focused, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, you've got uh, the agent guidance technology coming out now to help agents be more effective on the floor. And again, adoption rates aren't great. So, I mean, I, I think you look, you follow the money, or at least I do. You know, you follow the spend and where they're spending is not necessarily on employee engagement. And, and that's unfortunate. And that's not just tech, right? Like I said, that's the people that surround and make the agents successful too. Yeah, for sure. I always think back to the the commercial that, you know, happy cows make happy milk, right? You know, healthy people do better work. Yeah. People who feel connected with the business that they work for and have a sense of why for their work that connects with their own sense of why as a person. Yeah. That they don't feel like their work is a contradiction to their own well-being and their own desires to live their life, right? So there are a lot of opportunities in contact center work for that to go awry. There are a lot of opportunities when you deal with the public in any public-facing scenario just to honestly come up against some really stressful negative stuff. And when your job is largely to talk to unhappy, disgruntled, dissatisfied members of the public, you know, you're kind of set up potentially for feeling like your work and your life are just not a good match. Right. And so I, I think that's where we talk about employee experience is not something that in the contact center world you can fully control as a company or as a leader because you are opening up those agents to callers calling in. You're not screening those callers before they talk to your frontline agents. And you're not, you know, you don't have a personal relationship with every customer of your business. Right. And you don't have the ability to coach your customer to make your employees experience better, um, you know, before every call. But what you do have is the ability to create a culture and an environment from the standpoint of compensation and benefits and inclusiveness and psychological safety where that, and we haven't even talked about tech and training, 
which right. are, which are two big components, but those softer things, those things that are a little bit harder maybe to put your finger on, honestly, they're going to magnify whatever work and investment you've done in tech and training, which are critical, obviously. But but if you have great tech and you have great training and you have a hostile work environment for your agents, your customers are going to see that implication of those hostile elements. And ironically, of course, the customer can be the biggest variable in the work environment being hostile. But there is a sense in which humans are survivors. Humans find ways to survive and to get through what they're going through. And and the, the human mind is amazing. But when you get yourself as an employee in a position where you're surviving, not just in the context center context, a hard call or a series of hard and frustrating calls, maybe where the customer didn't handle it well, but you're also surviving, not feeling supported by your company. You're surviving, not getting paid in a way that makes any sense for what you go through. Right. You're surviving, not feeling like you're in an inclusive and welcoming environment where you're safe psychologically. If you're surviving the inside company side, as much as you're surviving the interactions that you have with potentially disgruntled customers, now you have a recipe for the negative employee experience as a whole, really translating to negative customer experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, the old adage, uh, you know, people don't leave companies, they leave managers, right? right? And I mean, that in our industry, I mean, if you look fundamentally, even back 27 years ago, when I was an agent, the the people who were leading on the floor were former agents, always. And did they have any training regiment on how to lead, how to manage, how to engage employees, how to coach? No, I mean, they still don't today. It's still the number one challenge. Um, yeah, and and you're right. I mean, people are resilient. They'll, they'll live with things when they have to. But I think that's the dynamic that's changed over the last couple of years. I think COVID woke everybody up to the idea that, you know, they no longer have to work for somebody. Um, the digital age in Fiverr, in Uber, in Lyft, in taking jobs to work for yourself and pick and choose your own times in the gig CX economy. Um, you know, I mean, this, this world has shifted and people aren't going to accept it anymore. I just don't believe that agents, this problem of, of quiet quitting that people talk about globally, I think in our industry, I mean, this has been going on for a long time. People disengage when they don't feel appreciated uh, and and they don't feel like they're working towards something that's important to them because companies never gave them you know the tools or the information or just the whys of how a company or why a company's there and then really engaging the the agents or employees and part of the culture i mean it, i think fundamentally especially here in the States, people are in for a rude awakening when it comes to contact centers and customer experience. And the costs are going to continue to go up. Um, the, I mean, it's just the reality. And it's not going to be easy because now we're coming into a significant downturn in the economy. Um, you, you know, Rob, I'm a big macroeconomics guy. I watch the markets every morning, um, read, listen, understand. Um, yeah, this is companies are, I fear that companies are going to start laying off people in service and support. And 
because usually they do. You know, marketing is a knee-jerk reaction and then support. Uh, we Maybe we can survive with, instead of answering calls within a minute, maybe it's two minutes, maybe it's five minutes. You know, for the airlines, hell, it's one hour. I mean, you know, whatever their decision is, I just, it worries me coming into this, but then you put the dynamics of the people and, you know, the options of working for yourself today. I mean, it's going to be tough to, to run a center here in the States. Yeah. Uh, unless no, you do focus. Really I think it's really true for Ed. And I guess my, my thought process is why not take a positive turn on this? You know, and, and I, I really want to focus in for a minute on the viewpoint of contact center leaders on this concept of EX is the new CX, but just to kind of set the table for that for a second, you know, one of the things I love about your content and your ideas, Fred, is that you're constantly trying to frame this whole conversation within a positive framework to say, rather than this is, this whole thing is just a necessary evil, just a, a cost we have to endure in order to continue to do business. We ought to start viewing the entire CX operation as an opportunity for positive business outcomes, which it is in my in my deep and abiding conviction. It is probably the easiest to access opportunity for positive business outcomes. You already have the organization. You already have a guaranteed regular interaction with your customers. Yeah. The only thing that's missing is the viewpoint that the agent is the bridge between what you currently do and seeing your CX operation as that opportunity. So, you know, I guess I I, I kind of plan to ask you, you know, why should contact center leaders care about this idea that EX is the new CX? On some level, I think we've already answered that, right, between yeah. the two of us. But more importantly, I, I would say, what would it look like for contact center leaders to begin to understand this and put it into practice? What would it look like? Um, yeah, I think, first of all, the, the number one thing you can start doing, and, and let's say of all layers of leadership, let's start at the top. I mean, if you're a CXO you know, or you're a CEO running a company that's focused on customer experience, get your butt down to the floor and spend some time with the agents first. First engage, you know, talk to them, understand what's going on. Um, surface level, just showing the commitment. I can't tell you how many C-level people I've talked to who have never been on their contact center floor. And that drives me crazy. How can you do that? I, I mean, you know, you just walk down there, spend a day, you know, go, if you really want to engage your, your agents, go spend a day on the phones, take some phone calls, talk to customers, go through their experience. Um, show me a, a CEO who goes down and jumps on the phone. Um, and I'll show you a company that's focused on customer experience and the agent experience, right? Um, 100%. which are the two right things. And I, I don't know if I've ever shared this, Rob, but I have a hierarchy in the way that I look at things, my core values and, you know, the, the people, the, the, the people that are involved with an organization and my employee is always one, but customer is one A. I I mean, then everybody else, right? Your stakeholders, your shareholders, your board, you know, your executives and your leaders, Mm -hmm. um, you are all behind those. Although the leadership is part of the employee engagement piece, right? Uh, In giving them the right tools, I still think it's the front line. Um, And maybe that's just too many years of of reading Churchill and, and, uh, you know, some of the, um, yeah, some of the original uh, leaders who I 
kind of looked up to when I was young. Um, but anyway, so get down on the floor, talk to the agents, understand the experience yourself. Um, you know, make sure when, if you're a committed executive and you're a company that's committed to customer experience, you know, understand that your agents are a critical piece that have a ton of information on a day to day. Now, they're emotional humans, so you can't just take their insights, right? Because you'll always get those people that'll just constantly complain because, you know, they're unhappy and they haven't, you know, maybe they're not in the right place or whatever, you know, and that's where data comes in. So start gathering I mean, the contact center has so much structured and unstructured data that never makes its way up to the C-level executives. Um, and, it, you know, they always send the surveys, right? Marketing does a great job of making sure that the surveys get in front of the C-suite, you know, but they never really take the actual data and insights and information from the contact center and start to use it to make educated business decisions to drive towards those outcomes, Right. Put in leadership programs. I mean, you know, you don't have to go out and hire a consultant, but there are a ton of leadership consultants out there who can come in and really help build your cultural leadership program and start talking to the agents about what do they want to do, understand who they are. So the supervisors, one of the easiest things you can do is teach them how to engage with people and understand the people themselves and what they want out of this. Sometimes they'll just want a job. They're just here to work. You know, they're working two jobs. You know, maybe they're a single mother or father. They're just trying to support their kids. And this job allows them to work, you know, six hours whenever they want. And then they can go to their other job. That's okay. I mean, you know, but find out maybe if they have other skill sets or other things they want to do, stuff like that. Start engaging and teaching and creating a culture and understand that, you know, your mission, vision uh, of your organization as a C-suite executive or as a, a VP, as a leader, that information has to make it down to the floor. Um, you need to share your why. You need to understand. You need to make sure everybody understands those core values of your company um, and why you do things. And as you continually build on that leadership, um, you know, people will naturally start to gravitate towards the organization because they see people go from agent to supervisor. They have success in supervisor because you set them up to be successful. You've trained them and you've coached them and they become a manager, or a director, so forth. Those stories, people don't focus on the wins enough. Um, you know, people don't talk and share that information in centers um, and really showcase that, you know, their whole mission in that organization is not just to ensure that customers are, you know, cre you're creating a, an effortless culture for your customers, but you're also creating an opportunity for all the people and the employees to grow personally, professionally, and whatever that means to that individual. No, that's really um, and that's, good. Yeah. I mean, it always starts at knowing and understanding the individual though, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's why I go back you want to change a, a poor performing call center, start at your supervisors who work on the floor. I think, you know, one of my favorite shows is Undercover Boss. And, yeah. you know, the, there's a bit of a script there on some level. No, but, of course. but at the same time, the reactions of the employees when they find out that this person that they've been interacting with is actually the CEO of their company. And you know, the, the power of those realizations. And, and when, when you see the look on their faces, they realize that the person that they thought was not accessible to them, the person that they thought could never understand 
what we go through every day in the business, they realize that all those boundaries have been obliterated. Yeah. You know, and then there's always the shock of, oh, I'm on TV, you know, but I think that's, that's my favorite part of the show. Yeah. Um, because there, there are these, you know, vertical boundaries within the org chart of most companies, right. Where, mm -hmm. you know, in most medium to large size companies, the frontline employee doesn't sit in the CEO's office very often. And the CEO doesn't come work on the front line very often. It's very unusual. And on some level that's by necessity, right. You know, uh, leaders, if they stop leading and they just do the work that the people that they're leading are supposed to do all day, then they're not leading at all. And so there is a reason that things have ended the way that they have ended with the way CEO culture and leadership C-suite culture tends to be. But the power of kind of showing someone, I'm not willing to ask anyone to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. And, and the, the way that that can break down barriers and open up lines of communication, right? And, and ultimately, uh, my very favorite episodes of Undercover Boss are the ones where the CEO has an aha moment, whether they're, you know, standing in front of a customer trying to put together uh, their food as quickly as they expect their employees to. And then they end up having a debrief with the manager that was training them. And they say, well, why is this so hard? Or why is this? And they go, well, the change that corporate made, you know, six months ago has caused this problem for us. And we've tried to say this isn't working and nobody's listening. And you can see the the CEO, even underneath the disguise, you can see the shock, right? Because they're now actually getting frontline information about decisions they themselves have made from the ivory tower and how it actually impacts the business, right? So we have yeah. to find a way in any business, I think, to integrate the perspective, the value, the role of the frontline employee and their experience into the decision-making that's made at the C-suite level. Yeah. Oh, and I don't think they'll have a choice. You know, I, I mean, again, I go back to the gig economy in our world today will allow people to do work and earn enough to live and survive um, yeah, it, while not going to work for someone that doesn't care about them. So either I, I personally look at this um, yeah, as you, you've got a choice, right? I mean, either you're going to create a culture and an experience for your employees that's engaging and gives them opportunity to grow if they so choose. Um, if they are happy where they're at, then you have to encourage them to continue to improve, give them the tools. Um, but it, you know, you got to understand it's, it all starts at the individual, right? So it's mm -hmm. making sure your leaders have the skills to connect, understand each of their direct reports and how they're motivated, you know, what they, uh, what they need from you. And it, it can be as simple as just starting out with ensuring all your leadership asks, how can I help you? You know, how can I help you get better today? How can I help your day? You know, how are you doing and actually listen? I mean, create a culture around this stuff. I, I, I just don't think people are going to have a choice. I mean, not right now. Right. I mean, there's plenty of companies that'll say, well, look, it's too expensive. Let's just outsource the whole thing, which is fine. Um, you know, it's a choice, right? Um, but 
I mean, long term, you got to create the right environment for your employees um, that's engaging. And in, it doesn't have to be rah-rah inspiring. They just have to understand the whys, get behind it, you know, care uh, and have leaders that care about them. I yeah, mean, for sure. For sure. A couple of things there. I, you mentioned outsourcing. I mean, that's obviously an enormous topic in our industry and and the impact and footprint of the outsourcing companies that yeah. that this is what they do. This is what they do well. And historically, those outsourcing companies have been amongst the worst when it comes to employee experience and, you know, viewing employees more than even the in-house organizations as just commodities, just as an expensive machine that can be replaced, et cetera, et cetera. I think what you're seeing in the BPO world is very, very interesting and shows probably maybe even more than on the in-house side, this shift because yeah. there, A, there was a lot more ground to make up, right? You know, there, oh, yeah. we had a lot more growth. It was on, only up from here in most cases, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. When it comes to EX in the BPO space, but there are some really notable BPOs that are either a few years into existence or are just starting up. You know, I think about Support You. I think about Lemon Contact Center in the UK, and there are a few others, right? Um, that their yeah, exactly. their mission, their why, is the blend and interrelationship between EX and CX. And, and from the very start, from the very core, the foundation of who they are, they're looking to say to the world, we're going to provide excellent customer experience by building out a uniquely awesome employee experience. And they live and breathe that. And, and I, my hope is that the influence that the BPO space has had will sort of be turned into a positive influence for this cause. And combined with the fact that the P&L of most contact center organizations is starting to show the issue, right? Yeah. I mean, just the simple turnover rate for agents and the amount of retraining and, you know, the joke that's out there in the agent groups, because I'm in a lot of these agent groups like on Facebook and, and other places where they're just talking about their jobs. The big joke right now is how funny it is when the first day employee leaves and busts out of there during their first break and says, oh, heck no. Yeah, um, I'm not okay. doing this. And yeah. the existing employees find that humorous, right? Uh, because there's a survivalistic mentality there, right? And and so I, I guess what I'm saying is that was a long way of saying um, the BPO space has always been very powerful within the industry. And it seems to me, and I'm hopeful that it will be true, that it will become a force for good in this conversation that we're having increasingly. And And some of it is too, you know, we want to start saying on on our time every week, and this resonates, I think, with what you're saying, that if we build our business around values, mm -hmm. then the bottom line will come. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, the cream always rises to the top, right? So I see the same thing. You know, for the longest time, BPOs were just about putting butts in seats, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. That's all it was. Now, you know, the global expansion, you know, I got to see later stage India, um, you know, I got to see early stage Philippines all the way through its growth, um, Latin America, South America, the Caribbean. I mean, there's, there's so many places where a contact center job is absolutely a phenomenal job. I mean, they become the breadwinner as soon as they start working in a contact center. And I think 
companies recognize that employees have choices, um, that they have to engage the people. And all the studies, you know, the last couple of years on EX and the return in investment on it for an organization are, are impressive. I mean, it's you can't argue the fact that Companies that focus on employee experience will always perform better. So BPOs are just grabbing it and moving faster, right? Because often they're more agile than the corporate company for the C-level down to actually approve the budgeting or changes or shifts in an organization. So I agree. I think the BPOs will lead in some aspects, but there are still plenty of them out there that are, are just going to continue to get nickel and dimed because they haven't created enough value to their clients to actually ask for more money to afford and justify an employee experience. And let's be honest, it's not inexpensive to really focus on an employee experience, but the ROI is clearly there. I mean, as a BPO though, you're talking about a business that only runs eight to 10% EBITDA. You know, that's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And for the people that are watching, right? Um, you know, I know you know that. So, I mean, they, they don't run an 80% profit company like a software company. So they just can't operate the same, right? Um, but I agree. I mean, in the end, the cream will always rise to the top, just like in the enterprise space. You know, the, the people who create the great experiences will win in the end. Same thing goes, you know, on the, on the BPO side. If you create a great employee experience, which is your product, by the way, it's the only product you have uh, is your people. Then, yeah, I mean, I, I have hope. I, I'm always, you know me, I'm always optimistic, um, but I'm also very, very much a realist that, you know, I've seen plenty of environments even today that still treat their employees as just numbers. Well, you know, here's to the idea that that will not be the norm going forward. We'll go with uh, cheers on that one. Hello. Um, well, you know, Fred, uh, I definitely want to have you back on the show, man. Like there's a million things we could unpack further that we talked about. There's a billion things we didn't talk about. Yeah. Um, I'm hopeful this will spur on conversation in the industry at large. And uh, let's keep this conversation going. I know you have your show as well. Everybody check out Fred. I'll, I'll be linking on my LinkedIn to his content and obviously our time here today. And um, let's go out and make today a better Tuesday than last week's Tuesday and make a difference in our worlds. So hope yeah. everybody has a great rest of your day. Thanks again, Fred, for being here. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. To listen to a recording of this and other episodes, visit vistio.io forward slash podcasts. And to join our show live each week, go to vistio.io forward slash CX live.